another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Joe Sullivan, and I'm the host of this episode, which is being recorded in conjunction with the National Conference of Bar Presidents 2022 virtual mid-year meeting. As a national network, NCBP brings together current and past leaders of state, metropolitan, and affiliate bar associations to share ideas about how to address critical issues facing the legal profession. Joining me now, I have Anne-Marie Hoftailing and Laura Fink. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we get started, please tell me a little bit about yourself. And Anne-Marie, I'll start with you. Sure. So um, my background is in business development originally. I currently am the co-founder of a company called Story Imprinting, and we are a full-service corporate training and communications firm that teaches great companies and individuals the art and science of storytelling. So we look at the neuroscience, social science, and structure and application of storytelling and teach companies how to have more humanity and influence in the realms in which they exist. Great. And Laura, how about you? Well, I am the founder and CEO of Rebel Communications. And the work that I do and my background is in helping develop leaders to achieve big goals. I often am brought on board when there is a strategic communications need, when people are facing or organizations are facing large challenges or uh, significant have significant goals that they want to achieve. And so I work in public relations, uh, message development, strategic communications, as I said, and, uh, and, and really helping leaders lead. Great. Well, thank you for joining us, both of you. Yesterday, you each gave us uh, what could be described as a TED Talk using your respective areas of expertise to discuss executive presence and authentic leadership. In this time frame here, I want to uh, touch on that some more. And Anne-Marie, can you uh, explain for us how storytelling can be used as a leadership tool to achieve greater executive presence and authentic leadership? Sure. So we know from all of the science um, that storytelling is really a powerful tool of influence and trust. So in order to accelerate credibility and authority, the most important thing you can do is become a powerful storyteller. Information, raw data, and statistics alone actually don't create um, influence. It doesn't create behavioral change alone. When we use storytelling, we are working with rather than against human nature. So whether it's in the context of business development, a keynote speech, um, working with stakeholders, clients, change management, recruiting, we know that storytelling is the most powerful tool of leverage. And it's typically underutilized and often misunderstood. And so what we look at is where are your most powerful stories in the context of your audience? 
who you're speaking to, what your objective is. And we sort of want to refine how that elevates you. I think that the idea of executive presence is often hanging on a very old pattern of, or paradigm where everybody is sort of this really manufactured, pulled together, hyper polished facade. And I think that that's breaking down, particularly in the time we're living in. And I think what people are really starving and hungry for is an enormous amount of humanity and human decency and how to make contact in a really authentic, original, vulnerable way. That's interesting. So Laura, along the same lines, how do you find resonance as a leader and how does that help us to achieve the same kind of concept of executive presence and authentic leadership? Well, I think Anne-Marie started with some, some, some great centerpieces of authentic leadership. Uh, connecting with your audience is so essential and building that trust. Um, le- great leaders have empathy and generosity and courage, and they bring other people with them on their journeys. And it's absolutely essential if you want to achieve big things within your organization, uh, within your business, how, and, and within your law practice as a lawyer. And I know that, that, that the bar presidents have certainly gone on this journey, but but I also think that we often take for granted, especially if you have, if you consider yourself a strong communicator, really, or if you, or if it's something that you feel you need to work on, the challenge really is breaking it down and figuring out how do you connect with an audience? How do you lead authentically? How do you listen to the people that you need to bring along with you? And then how do you use your message and develop it in a way that resonates with your audience? Those are all the things that great leaders work on, sharpen their skills, um, and 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 they know that you know everyone considers communication just talking, and it's not just talking. It really is something. It is a skill, um, and I think folks are sometimes intimidated by that. Either they might be overconfident, feeling like they're already a great communicator and a great speaker, and to that I would say you're probably not getting any better. Or they feel like it's a talent that they'll never possess. And you know, I, I, I liken it to singing. You know, we might not all be Mariah Carey, but we can all work very, very hard to sharpen our skills, and we we will get in the in the church choir potentially. So, um, really working on your communication skills can can advance your goals as a leader, and can also connect you to the people that you want to join you on the journey. So, how do you deal, Laura, with folks in my profession that uh, are notorious for? liking to hear themselves speak. That may not necessarily mean that they <laughs> communicate well, but they like to hear themselves speak. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you if you if you're a fan of communication, you, there is a risk of falling in love with your own voice. But then you're committing the cardinal sin of not making it about your audience. You know, you can tell stories about yourself or experiences that you've had or clients that you've helped that can be incredibly powerful and impactful to the people you're speaking to. But every moment that you speak, every breath that you take, your communication is about your audience. It is about what you want your audience to think, to feel, and to do. You want them to believe you. And if you are out of touch with that and listening to the jubilant sounds of your own voice, your audience can tell and they will be disconnected. We've all been in an audience where someone has really, you know, has kind of gone aground with their message, has spoken too long, has is goes off topic. Uh, and, and all of that doesn't center the audience and we disconnect and you're losing them. And so then you are losing what your goal is for the speech or the meeting or the one-on-one conversation. So it's a real risk. And so I would say this, 
If you're in love with your own voice, practice. Practice in front of the mirror. Practice in your car as you're driving to work. And you can love your voice there, but always, always do it in service of your goals and your audience. Great. Now, Anne-Marie, I'll I'll kind of work from what Laura was just saying, where basically they're talking too long. How do you address storytelling in the context of a situation where uh, in current day, uh, we talk about the shrinking attention span of individuals? And is that uh, contrary to storytelling? No, storytelling can be wildly economical. And I would argue that the demand for quality storytelling has only increased, not decreased because of that shrinking attention span. The belief system that you can just shoot people with more information and more fact patterns, and that is somehow gonna sort of elevate your expertise is wildly inaccurate. I think that you have to be able to use story, not because I think so, but because the neuroscience and social science tells us so. It's more memorable, it taps into the amygdala, it taps into emotion and everything that is critical to influence. And if you want a superb and both danger, wildly dangerous example of that, look at Elizabeth Holmes um, from Theranos. She nailed the same very, very short economical story over and over and over again. And she certainly used it for evil. There's no question of that, but it worked. It wasn't that she had the technology. It wasn't that she had any of the things she was claiming, but she had a really powerful story. And we always use that as a perfect case study of how powerful the story is. She never deviated from the story. That story takes her no longer than two minutes to tell. And she had the most illustrious board in corporate American history. And at the time, the highest valuated company. And that was the power of her mastering the skill of repeating the same story and pounding it like a drum. Interesting. Well, let me turn to Laura. Laura, coming out of the pandemic, is there more room for empathy and authenticity in leadership or not? Well, I think if the pandemic has taught us anything is that forging connections through communication is essential. And in order to forge authentic connections, you have to empathize with other people. You have to make room for that and time and space for that. And I think... Uh, I, I think that that is a good thing. I think we've been missing that because of what Anne-Marie said in her opening remarks where executive presence and leadership has kind of a cardboard cutout fixed way of looking at things. And, and I try to teach my clients that, that, that leadership is a balance of strength and warmth. It's a balance of knowledge and understanding and then also connecting with other people where they're at. Again, to center your audience, you have to know where they're at. If you're leading a conference call and someone has just had their car break down and their kid have to go to the hospital to fix a broken arm that's going to impact how they show up, what they're able to listen to. And so creating a little bit of space for people to acknowledge where they are uh, is incredibly important. I also think it makes us, you know, we're human beings, we're not robots. And, and, and making sure that your professional self and your personal self is connected and is real, you know, I I think gives space and makes room for other people to do the same. And, and that, that makes us not have to put on a facade when we show up every day. And that's energy that can be better spent generating ideas, st- strategically thinking about how to achieve goals and by, you know, reaching out and welcoming other people to the table and making sure they have room to do the same. Okay. Now, Anne-Marie, if I can take you from a little bit of what Laura was just talking about there, when I, talk about myself, the person, and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to find find my story, the story I want to use. 
do you have any processes or suggestions? How does somebody basically clear their mind, sit back and say, I want to create a story that I can use in the presentation. How do I do that if I'm going to make it personal? There are a couple things I would say. Um, stories, the best stories are those in which you were what I refer to as low to the ground, that you learned a lesson, that you were not shiny and perfect all of the time, but that you had a moment of transformation, something you learned, a lesson, a theme. You have to understand it depends on the audience. You should know your origin story. Why do you do what you do? Um, where, how did you get here? Who influenced you? Those are great questions. There, somebody had an important conversation conversation with you along the way that transformed what you thought about the work you did. Somebody gave you powerful feedback. It might have been a great leader. It also might have been a terrible leader. Both of those stories are really true. If you're pitching to a potential client, you want to talk about a story of someone like that client. If I have, you know, a tiny solo practitioner in front of me, I'm not going to be talking about all the work we've done with global law firms. All that does is disconnect them and make them think, well, I'm not that firm. What are you going to do for me? So it's important that you think about how to sort of who the audience is, but also how you access the stories. Stories don't have to be Hamlet. They don't have to be to be or not to be. What they have to be is moments in time where some transformation occurred, something changed. And so we have a lot of prompts and ways into storytelling. You are inherently a storytelling animal already. You naturally tell stories when you communicate to people. You just need to do it in a more conscious way. Way when you enter a conversation. And for us, I would also say we define audience very widely. It doesn't matter if you're speaking to 3,000 people or three people in a room. They are your audience and you should treat them with the dignity and privilege that it is and not waste that time. Great. So I'm going to take what you were talking about, about consciously realizing what you're doing there. And Laura, I'm going to turn to you and ask, what about the challenge that's unique for attorneys in communicating first with one another and then connecting with an external audience? Basically, Anne-Marie's talking about the audience can be huge or small, but attorneys are often communicating negotiation-wise or otherwise with other attorneys. And then probably the most crucial one is we're communicating with juries. And uh, what what do you see as the challenge that's unique for attorneys in that context? I think learning to recognize that those two forms of communication are the same. However, they have different goals and different processes. So I, for example, when you're in a negotiation, you kind of, there, there, it helps to sort of be strategic. You have to be tough in some instances, you constantly have to be analyzing what your, you know, the person you're negotiating with, do they tip their hand, all of that. There's a lot of gamesmanship. And I think that gamesmanship is very, very specific to certain conversations and to certain goals. One of the things I see with my clients all the time, I, I think about my clients that are in legislative bodies. A lot of times they're negotiating with their colleagues. And then the press that they speak to is incredibly technical. So they're using jargon and they're talking about process. And then when they have to go back to their constituents, which, you know, in, in, in your case would be juries, you, you have to use a different language to communicate. You have to drop the acronyms. You have to find a way to get to the heart of the story of why people should care and why it's so important to get whatever piece of legislation done done. Similarly with lawyers, when you're looking to persuade a jury, you have to find that L 
element of story. You have to interrogate those facts and help them make sense. And it's a, it's a very different skill set. And I think where it gets lost is when we don't realize we have to code switch in our tactics. We have to think about what are we used to doing? What might we be doing reflexively? So for example, you know, a lot of attorneys, they'll be in these mediations or negotiations for weeks or for months, and then a jury trial gets sprung on them. You have to figure out how you do that code switch, how you realign your skill set for that very, very different audience and, and technique. And it's not easy to do. It's a muscle. Uh, but it's something that if you are willing to put the time and the effort in will ultimately make you very successful. Well, Unfortunately, we've reached the end of the road of this episode, but I want to thank both of you, Anne-Marie and Laura, for taking the time to talk about these issues. As I've told you before, uh, the feedback we're getting as to what you're presenting is just wonderful, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And to our audience, thank you for listening and for tuning in. Please visit ncbp.org to find out more about the National Conference of Bar Presidents. If you like what you heard, please uh, rate us and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.